What's up, humans? Welcome to the Human Music Podcast. I'm Luke Rain. My co-hosts are Tesco and Rip Kinney, and we are all music producers, artists, and producer coaches. This show is where we discuss all things music production and interview amazing creatives about their origins, their process, and whatever else comes up. This week is episode 134. Nintendo's songwriting and mixing advice. Our friend Nintendo, who may or may not be best friends with Sasquatch, is finally on the podcast. He's been a producer dojo sensei, DJ, producer, and mixing engineer for many years and has a ton of experience to share. We talk about learning and comparing multiple DAWs, new computer problems, M1 versus Intel chips, plug-in issues, writing music on an MPC, resampling sounds through analog rack effects, the history of the recording process, his best mixing and mastering advice, tips for a successful February album writing month, organizing his sample library by frequency range, and much, much more. You can follow him at Nintendo or at Play Nintendo. And, uh, you know, while we're at it, let's uh, let's go support the song of the week, which is uh, definitely going to be our track that we did together that's out already called Thank You Reality. It's a drum and bass track. Listening to it now. Go support that. Link's down below. And also go support our sponsors like my Spice It Up percussion and Foley pack I made with Porch, which has over 2,000 percussion loops and one-shots, along with 50 rack instruments. Dojo TV, where you can get free producer live stream classes from the Dojo Senseis. Tesco's Patreon, where you can uh, get all his uh, educational content like track feedback, private lessons, and more. And the weekly download where you can learn from Ill Gates and his private weekly group lessons and get access to over 300 more episodes in the archive for just 20 bucks a month. Check us out for anything else over on thehumanmusicpodcast.com. But let's get on into this episode. Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus. And you're listening to the... Uh human music podcast woo hmm human music podcast i like it what's up humans hello the human music podcast is back in full effect and I'm really excited because today we have a special guest I haven't got to drop in with for a hot minute. My hot dude, man. Nintendo, is in the building. Yay. Hey. Yay, yay. How's it going, everybody? Yeah. Let's go. And the myth, the legend himself. All of the above. Woo. <laughs> yeah, thanks yeah. for joining us today. Elusive. like be a good one. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> yeah and deep also in the mountains. possibly in montana <laughs> yeah <laughs> well Allegedly. sasquatch is like from montana or something like I'm that pretty right? sure. like that, that flies um that flies. somewhere somewhere in this quarter of the country have you been hanging out with him lately is that why we haven't seen you in a minute yeah yeah, yeah pretty much nice. um actually <laughs> uh so when i lived in missoula um there was someone was dressing up in a Sasquatch costume and walking across it. the highway. I fucking and knew they it. ended up getting hit by a car. Yeah, oh, right. plot twist! <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah. That just <laughs> popped right <laughs> in my head there. Why not? <laughs> so wow. yeah, anyway, there might not be a Sasquatch anymore, but 
if that was. But he was in Montana, him. so you know. Yeah, yeah. At least we nailed that down. Mm-hmm. They didn't have like a Sasquatch crossing sign or nothing. Yeah, come Bro, on. It was like no. I'm pretty sure it was like Bro. on the interstate, like right outside of Missoula. <laughs> you gotta look both ways before you cross the street. No yeah, one escapes that that rule like yeah but how do we we give it to deer right we give it to turtles how do we know the intellect of a sasquatch but i mean the same reason most people still walk into traffic street and not get hit is because you're relying on someone else to pay attention yeah but you're being very ableist by assuming that the sasquatch would know to look both ways when it's been living in the forest and has no concept of automotive vehicles no what, what i'm saying is that Always the driver should try and avoid hitting something, which is generally the case, right? Especially Sasquatches. But deer is a perfect example of one where sometimes it jumps out right in front of you. Those motherfuckers, Mm. they got to look both ways too. And if they don't, you you may or may not pay the price. And Sasquatch, well, his ticket got punched that day. Welcome yeah, back to the Sasquatch the Street Crossing <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I was I was planning on on adding a quip at the beginning of the Human Bobblehead podcast because I couldn't stop my head from doing this. It's funny because as soon as we got on that, I was like, "Oh, look at that!" Already off the rails here, but man, would far we expect gone. anything else? Yeah, the yeah, rails yeah, are yeah. just there as a suggestion to the train. <laughs> Yeah, it's like bumper bowling, you know? Yeah. Dude, you can Jake, shoot it off on the side. Jake It'll get to the center eventually. Squatch out for oncoming traffic. Chat, if you're in here, say what's up to Tyson. Drop any questions for the Sasquatch's best friend. And we'll oh, is that. that on? The chat's on uh, Discord, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah, uh, okay. I don't think I even have Discord on my computer. Oh, it's all good. Honestly, we'll just, it's we'll cool. We'll bring you, up any questions. We'll just tell you what people okay, said, cool. and then you can just talk about it. Keep it easy for you. Yeah. Um, yeah we'll but yeah, yeah, so welcome to the podcast, my dude. Super dope to have you on. You've been a you've been a goal guest for us for a hot minute, and uh, you know, check that off the bucket list here. And yeah, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, man. Dude, this is, it's actually been so long. I wasn't sure if you had been on before. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't. Um, I thought it was kinda, like such a sure thing that you had, and I, I yeah, you haven't. Which Yo, Tyson, let's yeah, I like down just a little bit. It's just a little oh, okay, bit hotter here, than me, the rest Mike of us. Levels, Mike levels. Yes. So let's yes. Let's see where can I do. I that? believe I interrupted your introduction, Luke. So you. Oh, it's all good. Shall continue. It's a podcast, man. It's not supposed to be professional or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's no. get a mic chiggity chiggity check. Actually, maybe Evan check, up a little check, bit. Check, 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 Me up. Yeah. Is, is that better? Yeah, a lot better. Yes. Yeah, okay, cool. Good. Beautiful. All right. So, the way we usually kick it off with guests is we ask Tyson, Nintendo, what is your superhero origin story? How did you become the amazing creative that you are today? Well, um, so I've been like, involved in music for so long at this point um when i was in like freshman year of high school um i was going to punk shows and i ended up doing sound at those like throughout high school um eventually i started a band and um 
we were doing the recordings uh, thing. Um, and I'd have people come over to my house and, uh, we would just kind of record my living room and have jam sessions. And, um, I was using, uh, cakewalk at that point in my life. This is like, uh, probably like 2008 or nine or something. Uh, but, um, I, I just, I ended up getting this someone came over and just did this horrendous recording of them like singing over their phone. And, uh, I, I decided to like chop it up and start pitching stuff down, you know, doing the like chopped and screwed kind uh, of, uh, vocals and stuff like that. And that was kind of, uh, the first th- thing that like I did that resembled like what I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, in let's see i moved to missoula um and that was when i started djing um i figured out uh like i i went to my first like electronic show where it just kind of dawned on me it's like oh i have music i can play if i do it this way because like before that was always out of reach um and yeah um started djing and then eventually started playing my own tracks and kind of just kept going from there down the rabbit hole. Oh yes. That never ending rabbit hole of production, engineering, DJing, self, Mm. self inflating ego and then destruction of said self inflated ego. And then the long (laughs) rebuilding, the long, Mm -hmm. long arduous, very flat, but barely sloped incline of being confident in what you're doing at all. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. yes that rabbit hole yes of course yeah man when you first started producing music like what what, what genres were you into and how long were you on cake um, that's your main dog uh, no i wasn't on cakewalk <laughs> very long um i was using that at the time like just because it was easy to put like a condenser mic in my living room and invite a bunch of jam musicians over um I think I had that because it was the only one I was able to pirate when I was <laughs> like in high school. Nah, um, you mean, dumb. but, um, right. then I actually, uh, switched over to reason for hey, a while. My dude. Um, and then I think I moved over to Ableton in like probably 2010 or 2011. Um, yeah, I've kind of been on Ableton since, I use a lot of MPCs and track it into Ableton. Um, during uh, the pandemic, I kind of took a hiatus and learned how to use Logic. Nice. So, um, how was that? I, I'm kind of versed in a few DAWs now at this point. Um, Logic's, I don't know, it's different. It's fun, though. Do you have, like, a preference for each on, like, what you like to do in them? Um, the or thing that's really cool... It? Yeah. I, I just kind of wanted to do it. I um, played with it over at my friend's house and um, it, it's not very expensive either. Like it's at, for what you get with it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty like 200, cheap. It's right? like, yeah, it's 200. And, um, you know, I've always been in an Apple environment, so it just seemed like a good thing to have. And um, I wanted to try out like, you know, doing some mixing and mastering on it because uh that's always been something I kind of heard was it's, Oh, some people think it's better for mixing and mastering. Um, it's definitely got like, it sounds different. 
I don't think it's better or worse though. Yeah. How, does it, um, how does it sound different? If I may ask, I don't, I, it's, it's weird to describe. I, I yeah. feel like there's like a, a more of like a kind of harshness, uh, in Ableton, but it could be how I'm processing stuff. So, well, are you using the same oh. sample rate in the yeah. two? Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I've, I've heard, and this, this may just be voodoo magic, but I've heard apparently 48 K is like very digital sounding and 44.1 is like more, more natural. Cause it's like a little warmer and like all this stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Does that have any basis? And I looked it up and apparently it it may. It may because it all yeah, depends um, on like how it cuts off the ends and like and like, you know, of of the frequency bands, not only does it like cut it in a different amount of like, you know, sample sizes, sample rate, right? But like also there is a difference in like how it smooths off the ends of the frequency band. So that makes interesting. Sense. Yeah, the other thing about yeah, Logic and, um, too is, uh, oh, sorry to cut you off. I think we might have a teensy bit of lag, um, <laughs> but just real quick, uh, one interesting thing is Apple is rich enough to just fucking steal what they want and deal with the lawsuits. And one cool thing of Logic as a result is they basically, you know, took the flex pitch algorithm and like built that in. Um, and they have some other cool stuff too. Like all of their stock plugins are analog modeled stuff. So I think that definitely, yeah, that, that's like a that big, um, that's a big thing with it. Um, and one of my favorite things is like, um, all of the compressors and analog modeled EQs. Um, I, I think they're better than like stuff from waves. Oh, hands down. Just, yeah. and that's their stock stuff. Buy nothing from waves. It's anymore. amazing when you can just steal all the algorithms and not have to deal with shit. <laughs> I, uh, I I only cynically say that because uh, recently I had to pay hundreds of dollars just to update my plugins to use them on a new computer. Yes, and I was so, mm-hmm. so yeah, um, so not happy about that. That that's become a fee for me too. Um, so uh, when I replaced my laptop, um, I think it was in 2020, the one I was using for like lessons and all that stuff. And like when we uh, played in Washington and here and stuff, um, that thing was on its last leg. Um, it's It barely, barely works. <laughs> um, so then I, sw- I switched to um, uh, a desktop computer then, a Mac mini. And um, that, it's great, uh, but I missed the portability, so I now have another laptop too, just so I can bring that around. But anyway, I had to circle do of life. The, yeah, the circle of uh, <laughs> circle of paying for stuff constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the circle of life. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so yeah, now I'm on the the waves like update plan, like in perpetuity, just oh, so I can have you. licenses they on got two computers. You? Fuck. Mm. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah, because you get you can have a second you can have a second license or I I don't know I don't I'm not I don't want to get into like the iLock dongle thing I don't want to carry around more stuff I never can yeah right yeah. <laughs> yeah down with waves hmm. yeah it ain't got that many things I like that much anyways yo shout out Arvox though if it wasn't for Arvox I'd be out of here I, I can't even lie it's so funny I haven't even I, I'm a Arvox big fan so of um. 
My favorite uh, wave stuff is I like our bass. I use that constantly. Um, do you? What do you use it on? Bass, kick drums, subs. Uh, I've used it on whole mixes <laughs> a couple times. Really? Um, yeah, you just have to really, really dial it down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I know I use that all the time. Um, the H delay is my favorite delay plugin. Um, that one's yeah. really good. The whole like H series, um, the reverb's really good in there too. Um, there's a plugin called um, NLS Summer. Um, it's uh, it's like a channel strip preamp plugin, and um, it's got like an EMI saturation on it. It's got a, a Neve um, and I think an SSL sick um so yeah i use that a lot too that's just nice for coloring sounds sounds handy yeah nice but down with waves in general <laughs> yeah don't, <laughs> yeah, don't but... hype it don't hype up any of this stuff enough that i actually need to go on waves and buy something because that's gonna really yeah, yeah fuck you just up my you head. gotta just yeah. wait for uh gotta wait for a sale this conversation yeah. is like, like a your week friends away. telling you their favorite cigarettes all right Dude, literally, yeah. <laughs> Don't buy this shit. <laughs> literally. Because the issue yeah. is you'll buy you'll buy the plug-in for 29 bucks, get another free one for free. And then you'll have those two plugins and you'll use it on one project that you really like. And then two years from now, you'll need to open it up Dude, and you'll need to pay two hundred dollars to update it. You'll be like, no, they fucking got me again. Dude, yep. the new shit well that's the thing too because like computers time. computers constantly update too um and that was the, another thing why i had to originally do it too was because like the plugins i had were no longer like they wouldn't work with uh the operating system i had so i had to go up yeah so, that yeah, that happened to ya. me too yeah i eventually had to like just stop on the on my old computer, I just got a, a Mac studio. Um, on my old computer, I eventually was like topped out on my OS. And the issue is that that build of OS and like I was still on Ableton 10 because my OS wasn't new enough. Uh, and it was so Pain. stable though. And I was finishing the album and I was just like, there's no way I can go through the hassle of updating all of that shit right now. I'm just not going to do it. And then... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... You end up topping out and you need to get a new computer at like five to seven years-ish anyway. Did you get an M1? Uh, my laptop's an M1 Pro and yeah. then um, my Mini is the last Intel, yeah. basically. Um, have you ran yeah, into... Was the, I was just going to say, oh, so have you ran into... Off. Sorry, yeah. Have you ran into issues with the M1 compatibility on, on any plugins? nothing actually uh really? that uh that so yeah that's back here but um i it's crazy because uh the um the mini i bought was um you know that was when we were getting stimulus checks and i was like yeah. oh yeah i'm just gonna max out a mac mini um so i did that and like I, it's got like 64 gigs of ram it's insane um Damn. and then the like best processor that I could get with it. Yeah. Um, but that M1 Pro, 
um, with 16 gigs of RAM, like opens every single project from the mini, like, and runs it exactly the same. I don't see like any lag latency CPU stuff. Um, the thing that I noticed that's kind of weird though, is like, um, when I like transfer projects, sometimes I have problems with the plugins. Um, but all the plugins work if I start with like, so if I start on the laptop, everything's good. Um, if I start on the mini, everything's good. But when I start like trying to open a project I used on the mini, uh, there's always plugins that don't work. And I think it's just because, uh, this has the Intel, uh, version and that's saving those into the project. And, um, so yeah, I think there's like communication between the like two processor platforms for the VSTs that yeah. there's something not working with. Yeah. But like, if, yeah, if, if I stick to one machine, it, uh, everything is all good. Yeah. The only reason I bring it up is because it might be beneficial for, uh, some people listening to know, at least I was going to see if you had any other issues with it. But for me, it's like a bunch of the guitar amps that I use, um, including neural DSP archetype Tim Henson, which is like an expensive guitar amp that I use all the time. Does it isn't ported to M1. So I need to open Ableton and Rosetta. And for those that don't know, Rosetta is essentially just Apple's workaround to run an Intel only app on their chip. And that means additional instability. And what I have found is that when one of those plugins crashes and like the entirety of my production career working in Ableton, it is like rock solid on recovering crashes, right? Like you open it back up and it's like basically where you left off unless you were working in like serum adjusting parameters, like it might not have saved them, but like for the most part, everything is there. Now when it crashes from one of those non M1 plugins in Rosetta, like, it will have to revert back to the last time I hit save, which might have been two hours ago. You know, it's not like it's not like I'm not saving for eight hours. Have you time, ever checked manually? Because it should be, yeah, it should be in your temporary data folder. No, no, no. I was okay. So good point. I have recovered the crash manually, following the steps and like moving the files to the other folder and renaming them or whatever. And it'll open back up and I'll have the opportunity to reload it and it'll crash on opening it and then tell me you can't, it just, it ain't going to work. You got to revert to the last save. And that has fucked me. It tells you that? Yeah. It has fucked me twice in like a big way. You know, like the classic, like you're, you're getting some steam going. You just finally figured out the thing that's going to make the song work. And then it crashes. And then that last two hours, which of the 20 you've spent working on the song has been the most productive. All that shit's gone. And like, once you've done it, you can recreate it decent, right? But like, it just really takes the the wind out of your sails. It's not the same. So it's like, just be forewarned. Hopefully you can migrate all your stuff to just M1 native if you get an M1 Mac. But there are, it has been a pain in my ass. So yeah, one of the things like that. So I usually start everything on an MPC. Um, I've got like bad there, but um, yeah. When this crashes, 
everything's gone. <laughs> <laughs> everything's gone. Oh, that's um, it doesn't auto. I mean, you can turn it on to autosave, but it's like kind of invasive and annoying. Like, yeah. cause you'll be doing something like, you know, even if you're like, you know, in the middle of recording something, it will stop that. And then there's like a loading no. bar on screen. It's like saving project. And then like all sound stops. Mm. Um, Whoa. That's rough. So it, that's, that's like really also rough. a huge part of why I, I use it in like standalone mode. Cause yeah. it doesn't really crash in standalone. The computer is a disaster though. Huh. And How's it like, the... always has been. I'm curious. So how long have you been like diving more into like controllers and stuff? Because as far as I remember, you've been pretty like hands on with like the performance aspect of music. Have you always been writing with like, like, like with the MPC or something of that sort? Or like, is that something that's kind of, you know, you're diving into more and more? Uh, right now what I'm doing is like, I'm doing FOM right now and I've been trying to actually just do everything in the NPCs. Um, like as much of the mix as possible. Um, actually one of them is just done entirely in the NPC that I posted. Um, so I try to do the mix on that and then I just feed the like mix, um, into Ableton into a mastering chain. So you do like in. minimal producing, not producing per se, but post-processing, editing, all that shit in arrangement view. You just kind of like yeah. record it in and, you know, use that as... Yeah, kind so of I've, been, I've been trying to like... Whatever. Keep the like mouse clicking and stuff to as like minimal as I possibly can. And I have for a while... Um, let's see... Um, when did uh, Push 2 come out? Like, I, rem- I remember I bought, uh, I bought the MPC Touch and like I had a Push 1 at that point. And like two days after I bought the MPC Touch, um, like pre-ordered it, Push 2 came out. <laughs> I was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, so, but anyway, then I stuck with uh, the Touch. Um, and yeah, I just kind of dove into that it's i i have a lot of fun doing it it's just like a different way of working um it's like kind of like as if you were like making a whole song in ableton's drum rack Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i feel like really more like more than anything just find the shit that you like to use and then just dive in head first to that and like forget anything else exists like it is mm-hmm. way too easy to get lost in a sea of, oh, this could be better. This could be better. And you just miss out on all the nuggets that are right in front of you with the shit that you already have. If you don't just like, you know, use it a lot and learn to love it and learn mm-hmm. to love, learn to love what it can't do as well. Right. Like how it forces you to work a little differently and come up with different solutions for stuff. And it, like that'll just end up kind of bleeding into what you do creatively. Right. And sometimes, I yeah, can yeah, and I, I, I like it. It's faster at some things. It's slower at other things. Like painfully slow at some things. Like if you want to, like, do like, uh, like a reverse reverberizer. Like you're sitting down. Oh, five dude. minutes. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I, I, I struggle to fucking take the time to do that. Even when I know I need to do it, I just like put it off, put it off, put it off, because it's just one of those things that you know is going to take 
more than five seconds. You're like, you know, I got to fucking do this and then I got to find the right reverb and the right size and the right tone. Then I got to fucking bounce that. And then that ain't millennials in their instant gratification. Right. (laughs) But it's like the same reason that I will only use fab filter if I need something other than natural phase, because like, I just don't want to have to open up another plugin window to, to see what the EQ is doing unless I really need it to. Right. So it's like, it's the same reason why you said H delay earlier. And I was like, fuck yeah, H delay is really nice, but it's the same thing. Like the Ableton delay can do, you know, it, it sounds mostly just as good, but I can see exactly what all the settings are right away. And I don't have to open something up. That's just like how lazy I've gotten. I think that's kind of yeah, universal, well, though. Like, mm-hmm. right? Yo, like, I'm not the ask, only one that does that. While right? we're on the topic, does anyone use Echo? I feel like yeah, it's bro. so underrated. Oh, I, I never Echo. hear of people using I, it. Okay, cool, dude. Use use I, Echo. I, I know I used it on the last track. I did um, use if you use, use Echo. The reverb in it. Hit the hit the. It's like a little D or something. I don't remember yeah, the exactly, distortion. But, yeah, and then it's like just turn up the input. And it's like a super nice, like analog modeled saturation slash distortion. It's like a hidden saturator. Dude, when I swear one of our first episodes, we had like a whole breakdown of that where we like shared screen and like. Yeah, I was just getting some mm-hmm. deja vu right now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, we got some people yeah. in the chat saying that that echo analog distortion is fire. Secret guest and yeah, for real. Yeah. That's what's up. Wasn't that one of the first effects people use? Man, I feel like I never hear of people talking about it, so I, I just had to throw it out there and and you know mm. address the elephant in the room. See see how people really feel. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious, like, so writing, you know, we're saying like certain things are you know better, and certain things like take forever on the NPC, right? And I imagine that's why you know you like. You, know, you can do that, you know, make your main stems and your main arrangement in the MPC and you drop it all into Ableton and like do the do the detailing and the and the final mix down mm-hmm. in there, right? What are the things Yeah, I do that. that I mean, yeah, I'll go for it. Oh, I, so yeah, I do that. I've been trying to kind of do other things too with it. Um so like one thing I did actually start kind of doing this year is um I have an eleven seventy six clone. I have a Pulsat clone and I have an SSL G series clone. Ooh. Like in a so, modular or like a, in a rack? In a rack. Um, What's the clone? And so I'm using that kind of in conjunction with a, a mixer. Um, and I just kind of route stuff through the sends and I can send it back in. So I've been doing a lot more mixing just with that in the MPC where I'll just resample it back in. Cause I can kind of, I can almost do that in real time. It's kind of like, you know, doing resampling in Ableton. Yeah. But it would be like, you know, if like, instead of just throwing a bunch of tracks on uh, or a bunch of effects on a track and, you know, using that for your um, processing, it would be like, if you had to track it back in to it to get them to stick. What's the clone? Uh, for the, the SSL clone. Uh, yeah. And like the 1176, is it like a DIY thing or is it a company? Um, the SSL clone I have is the warm audio bus comp and, uh, it's, it's, it's glue compressor. Um, it's awesome. 
Uh, the one thing that's uh, different about it is uh, it has a high pass um, mm -hmm. for internal uh, side chaining. And then um, it has the a transformers button. So it's like sending it in hot to get the like saturation from it. Okay. Um, and then uh, the other ones I have are both by uh, Clark Technic, which is a Behringer company. Oh, is it the, uh, it's like CLA 500 or something like that? Um, so the 1176 is called the 76KT. And then the Poltec is the EQP-KT. And they're, they're, they're cheap, um, like $300 range. And I got a, I think I, I got one of them like full price and I got the other off Reverb. So nice. save some money okay, on that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so, Definitely anyway. good to know about. Yeah. So yeah. That, oh yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I haven't, you know, used, uh, like an, a real like 1176 or Poltec. Um, but I think it sounds great and it's great for how I use it. Yeah. Anything analog really like just adds so much magic to it. Um, I'm sure mm -hmm. even that compressor would like be a analog or a, sorry, a digital emulation of the, the 76. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And I, I've, I have so many of those. <laughs> Yeah, that's like, like uh, I'm definitely gonna have to look into this. Yeah, so you're rocking yeah, yeah, the gear, and you're you know you're running the MPC, resampling that through. I'm curious, like compared to being in a DAW, like you said, clicking the mouse, like what are the parts of that workflow that like work for you best? Like that, why you really committed to to writing in the MPC? Um, it's it's kind of fun the way I've been doing this because like I push the chair out of here. And I'm just kind of up here spinning around in circles. Um, it's, you know, it's like just Aren't we all? being in a one-man band a lot of the time. So I, I don't know if that's like just like satisfying something internally in me um, or I'm like getting exercise while I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's, it's, it's fun to work that way. And then it helps me kind of separate the like create phase from the like sit down and revise mm-hmm yeah that makes sense yeah totally. do you ever have tracks where you like go more nitty-gritty in the daw or have you just kind of like moved away from that um i yeah i i do a little bit of both um so like when i first started using the mpcs i'd make like eight bar loop and like eight bar super loop and then put all that into ableton and then just duplicate it out and work that way just by deleting stuff. Um, and then, um, what's really kind of cool with these things is, um, how like quick and easy it is to mute stuff. Um, and like you could, you know, just make all the parts to your song and have it be an eight bar loop and then just let it loop forever and just mute, unmute stuff. And, um, you can record that in and get a, like a whole song out of just muting and unmuting. And so you can kind of perform it live in that sense. Um, and then, um, 
what I like have always wanted to do is just, you know, have that go directly into the DAW, but that's so much more complicated than it needs to be. Um, you're either limited by the outs, um, cause there's eight of them. Um, so you have eight channels to work with. Um, so kind of like working in those constraints is, uh, just kind of like another thing with it. But I think that lends itself to creativity Yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Cause like if you're limited to eight, I mean, you know, like the, so much stuff was done on four tracks, like historically that, yeah. you know, there's no more than four eight, instruments. That was a revolution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so, yeah, um, songs are made just by putting a bunch of people in a room with one microphone way, way back in the day. True. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was watching something. Um, and it's this like, it's recording studio. Um, uh, that basically all the stuff they have in there is done the exact same way it was done in the fifties. Um, so when, you know, modern artists are trying to sound like Hank Williams or whatever, they uh, can go in there and like, they'll put a whole band in there with one microphone and where they put the people um, kind of determines the mix essentially. Yeah. yeah right. Um, that makes room placement. Well, and then they're like going into stuff like they'd put certain instruments um, like, you know, the like ribbon, like metal band on the outside of condenser microphones. Mm-hmm. I th- believe they'd have that like facing like like basically the side of the microphone would be facing either like the drummer or uh uh bass guitar because it would like dampen the sound. Mm. Interesting. So it's kind of like uh like a bass strap or not or you know treatment <laughs> kind of yeah. yeah with how they place the mic. Interesting. Wow. Such well, a trip to think of how many like how many right ways and best practices we've gone through as musicians yeah. recording, engineering, producing, you know, like ever since things started getting recorded, it's like, it's, you know, there's always music that was just in the world. And then just like, Oh, mm-hmm. now we've got this technology to like record it and get it back to people in a new way. And that's just like the way that's evolved over the years is such a trip mm-hmm. to think about. Yeah. It's not even that old, man. Like, it really blew my mind to think that, you know, recording technology, I don't even know how old this shit is, to be honest. I mean, like, 80 ish years. I mean, I think, like, the very first rudimentary recording stuff is like late 1800. So maybe like 150 years ago, max. Like, that's like, you know, like getting really scratchy, shitty recordings, like on a wax cylinder. Yeah. And you'd play it back on the phonograph that's got like the speaker, which is just the big loopy cone thing. Yeah. Yeah, The whole. So from there, there was still a huge ass period where like production and like producers wouldn't do anything besides record. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. just. Yeah, totally. You know, export or whatever the hell the equivalent was. <laughs> like export to uh, fucking two kilobytes uh, per second. I mean, it was uh, recorded to tape. Real tape, man. Oh yeah. yeah, true, 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 true. Um, but it's it's it kind of blew my mind to think about like, I think like uh, one of the Beatles records, like one of the first ones where they like actually played around with like delays and stuff as a part of the mm-hmm. instrumentation and the Beatles is not that fucking old. You know what I mean? Like yeah. from mm-hmm. then till now, 
we've come up with fucking rhythm dubstep and sh- shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> all the like DNB, all the trance house, all that shit. And uh, it's pretty inspiring to think of like how much more we have to go. We we couldn't have possibly scratched even the surface with with how new shit is. Yeah. I mean, how fast it's moving too. Like you listen to a record from just like, I mean, just like a 10 year old EDM record and you can just like play it next to something from this year. And you're like, Oh shit. Like that sounded so amazing when I heard that live, you know, whatever track, you know, I'm thinking of like, uh, you know, some old, some house tunes from 10 years ago, like, you know, Porter Robinson, easy or like clarity by Zed or something like that. And it's just like, man, it was so cutting edge and the sound was so big. And now I listen to it and it's just like, Oh man, we've come so far just even since then. That's, yeah, that's dude. Nice. Um, I I don't know if this is like actually true, but I heard this and when Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites came out, it was yeah. like it's like just under negative seven luffs, and I think it was like they were saying it was the loudest song ever made wow. at the time. <laughs> and like now that's like oh man, I just do that from my house. Yeah, right. That's just that's like minimum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, yeah, that's average, like yeah. average, easy to get to. Not pushing it too hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally. Man, so speaking of mixing shit though, I've been talking to some you know some students who are like you know have figured out how to do the arrangement. And, you know, some detailing and, you know, getting the song written and are like now just starting to actually dive into the engineering side of things. And I've been talking about this concept of how, like, I find that me when I started engineering and a lot of other people I talked to are early in engineering, think of the mix as this like one thing you do way at the end of the process when everything else is perfect and you do it once and it's the mix. And... So I like to tell this story I heard of uh, the the process of making Michael Jackson's song Beat It, where, you know, they, they recorded all the instruments onto reel-to-reel tape, you know, and they had however many tracks they had for the drums and the guitars and the vocals and the bass. And then they handed those tapes to a dope mixing engineer and were like, okay, mix this. And it was all analog because it's the 80s. So... They have this like big SSL or Neve board or whatever they had and they get the reel to reel tapes and they set up all these wires to track each track from the tape into a different channel on the mixing board. And they go through the process of mixing it and they're like, well, it sounds pretty good. Hit record on this stereo two track tape instead of the multi track tapes. And like, then that's done. And then send that back to the labels, zero out the board, unplug all the cables and go home for the day. And then the label's like, that was pretty good, but here's some notes, do it again and again and again. And this dude did more than 50 versions of Beat It for the label to choose from. And they ended up choosing something ridiculous like mix number three. (laughs) After you'd done like 47 more. Oh man, that's happened to me so many times, so so many times here today. Uh, I think he's really older. At least a few years ago, one of my buddies, who's a mixing engineer in New York, like had had a um, had a picture where he like got to like meet this guy and got a picture with him, and he's like old and in a wheelchair, but he was like, "This is one of the mixing." Kudos, bro. That would have been the last straw for me. Yeah, (laughs) Nintendo. You were saying? (laughs) Oh, um, 
Oh, what was a I lot saying? of times where like you've oh where like you know as like working as a like mixing and mastering engineer where like we'll just go down the rabbit hole where they're like oh uh this one's great but can you turn down snare a little bit or turn down something really minimal and then we'll just keep going back and back and forth mm-hmm. and um i've actually done it a couple times where i just like took the first master and renamed it like master six sent him that perfect <laughs> yep <laughs> which it's all I, you know tell them that afterwards they're uh, like it confuses people so i shouldn't do it but yeah right <laughs> um yeah yeah man but so like yeah so that that all being said to like think about it like when we're mixing stuff like especially when we're learning to mix not thinking of the mix as this one thing that's way at the end but this process that the more you repeat it the better you get at it the better your ear gets the better your process gets so like you know i, I see people like being scared to do the mix because they might do it wrong so they're like wait it's like you can always just hit save as delete your processing chain and do it again like mm-hmm. don't don't get so caught up in it and so like as a mixing and mastering engineer for a lot of people you've done i know you've you've done a lot of projects for a lot of folks like is there any advice for people that are learning uh, how to engineer right now that that like really helped you become good or become efficient so if i could go like back <laughs> like it's basically i would not use eq um like I have so many old songs that are really cool, but it's just like the mix on them is just harsh, like hurts your ears, get weird frequencies just from the EQs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and like the one thing that I like wish I would have discovered earlier is the pink noise trick. Like, yeah. cause I, I use the, the Credlin audio pink plugin, like while I'm producing um, or doing a mix and i just i kind of use it as like a gain staging hack like i don't necessarily even follow the pink noise um you know that closely all the time but um what's cool with it is like you know if you pink noise something um set it and then you put a bunch of compressors or whatever on it um you can just you know pink noise it again afterwards and it's exactly the same volume whoa Interesting. What so, is this plugin? It like oh, does it shape uh, into a pink noise profile? Um, it's you put it on your master, and then um, I key map uh, the on off to um, the little squiggly key next to the one. The tilde it's right there. Really, yeah, the tilde. Um, and then you just go through your you know solo stuff and um, turn it up, turn it down to the pink noise until it's the same perceived volume. Okay, so this just generates a stream of noise. Yeah, and you just throw oh, it on. I throw it on the master. Um, yeah, and I've like even started plug-in. doing it. Um, I, I do it in the MPCs too. I just uh, on the first track in a project, I just throw a blank program in there, um, and I uh, I have like a thirty second pink noise sample in there that I can just you know play a pad against and kind of dial the volume close enough. So that like doing stuff like that, just like as you go, um, I think really kind of just speeds the process up because, you know, the other thing with um, mixing as you go, like the sounds change as you do it. So if you're doing it at the end, just in one like bulk thing, you know, it might 
totally change how the interplay between the sounds are if you're you know going crazy with like effects um so yeah like with a lot of that stuff i kind of try to like get it in the actual production because you know you maybe you know you might not keep the sound or it might become something totally different and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there's definitely a difference between like using certain effects to like shape the sound and use it kind of in a sound designy way where it's like you want it to fit in a specific part of the mix or you want to give it more movement or texture or whatever versus like going in and doing the really like narrow kind of surgical kind of, you know, uh, cuts and like stuff like that, which I think is more suited towards the end. But I definitely agree with you there. And I'm curious, do you have any like go to's that you've been liking to use to like uh give sounds a bit more like spice or movement uh movement um so uh i really really like the chorus the juno one in the Mm -hmm. arturia uh collection um i i use that constantly lately um it's just a really really good chorus simple um just like one of those ones with the three buttons the one two and the manual and then like depth and uh speed um it just sounds really good though um so that's good for like making stuff move around um other than that i I use a lot of different saturators um for all kinds of stuff um as far as like creative ones um i think my favorite is probably uh decapitator the sound toys one Dude, I gotta um, use that more. I forget about that one. I have it. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Like, yeah. um, you can get some really cool sounds out of it because it has the high pass and low pass, and then when you mix that with the dry wet, you just like can kind of you can isolate frequencies and do a lot of the same stuff that like Saturn does, um, just with a little different interface. Yeah, like yeah. I like uh, I like Decapitator. It's got like the five different like saturation modes in it that have letters that i don't know what they mean <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. a b c d yeah, it's exactly. like a e t r f or whatever the fuck it is yeah, but, yeah uh, um the the waves one's kind of like that too um except it's named after the owner of the console they modeled there boo. so they don't correlate with the actual like what it is mm. um yeah i think i i, I think there's like api neve EMI, probably SSL in Decapitator. I don't know what they are either, mm. but I just kind of go I, through and test them all out. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're spot on with that. That's one of those ones that like every Black Friday, I'm like, should I buy this? And then like end up wasting my money on something from Waves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back uh, to the Anti-Waves Human Podcast. You fuck me, yeah. Waves. I'm going to keep talking shit about you. <laughs> I'm not going to stop. Yeah. And I'm with him. I yeah. paid good money for this shit. You can't take it away from me. That just is wrong. You're probably going to be mad because when I updated my computer, I like downloaded Waves Central. I don't want to just- hear downloaded the old ass versions of my plugins oh, and man. they just worked and I don't know why. It might be the fact that I'm not on an M1 mag, I'm on a PC, so they're just like, ah oh, whatever, it works wherever it works. Well, 
You know, that I'm happy for you, but sometimes it hurts to hear people live out your dreams. So <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated. You mad, um, bro? I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, a little. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm curious, Tyson, uh, what kind of artists have been inspiring you lately in terms of like, one, who you're listening to, and two, if it's different producers and other artists? Um, that um so I've, I've kind of been on like a kick lately with like, I guess it would be like, I'm not really even sure what genre it is, but it's like sample based house, like stuff like, um, like model man. Um, I've been into that. Um, kind of like went down like a fortet rabbit hole a little bit. Um, mm. uh, like stuff like Ross from friends. I've been, I've been really into that kind of stuff lately. Man, like drawing inspiration stuff. from that. <laughs> I have to check that out. Yeah, it's it's like uh, it's like housey, but like made with like really textured kind of vinyl-y sounds and uh, instruments. So kind of like a like almost like a lo-fi hip hop sample chop style, but on a house beat instead. Yeah, yeah, lit. Yeah, yeah that sounds great. That <laughs> sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. I'll be into that. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess like maybe lo-fi house. Lo-fi house. Yeah. That's what's up. One thing I was curious about, you mentioned that you're doing FOM right now, which for anybody that doesn't know out there, that's February album writing month where the goal is to write 14 tracks in 28 days. Um, And I've got, I've got a lot of students about a lot of our listeners on our podcasts are either like doing FOM, maybe doing it for the first time uh, maybe another shot at it or maybe like considering it, but it sounds intimidating. So I'm curious, like what, what makes FOM work for you? Like what are some tricks you've learned over the years of doing it that like makes it possible to bang out that many songs in that amount of time? I, I like the freedom of it. Cause like you just, you cannot go into it with the mentality of these are going to be perfect. Like you, you don't do that with it. Like, like you, you grab whatever sample you you need at the time and just put it in and move on. And I, my favorite thing with it so far has been, I just go in directions I not normally do when I'm like consciously trying to make uh, like the decision. You know, when I have unlimited time, like I will sit there and be like, oh, I need a different vocal sample. Vocal samples are always the thing I've dwell mm-hmm. on too much, Makes but. Like this year at FOM, like, you know, the first track I posted, it's just like, it's got just a rip, like Lloyd Banks acapella in it, which I would never like normally like select, but it's just like, Hey, this works. So on, on with it. Yeah. Using what you have, and, making fast decisions, not expecting perfection. What else? And yeah, so I like that about it. And like, just kind of the, the freedom of like, not being like, oh, I have to get, the mix perfect i have to get the master perfect it's just kind of like no one no one cares uh how your mix sounds on there they're on there like you know checking out new music because the the whole idea behind it is it's supposed to be demos yeah and yeah i I like that about it it's um the first year i did it i got i think 10 songs done but like it just kind of like put me in motion for the whole year and I think that's why I keep coming back to it. Cause it's like, 
it's it's kind of like a game almost where it's like you just you sit down and do it and it's long enough amount of time that it just really reinforces like the good habit of like putting yourself in front of whatever you make music with and doing it amen are there any like preparation like preparatory exercises you go into like getting a sound palette or you know picking, um, picking so a style or anything i've kind of done that um what i did uh the first year was uh the last day of january i just uh i was um i went through and my whole record collection just skipping the needle around and it's like that's a guitar name it guitar.wave and it's like uh I did that and I kind of organized like what I could chop out of it by uh, instruments. And so I just had a folder full of tons and tons of records. Um, and it was kind of the choice like chops out of it from the get go. Um, and then uh, this year, what I did was I uh, went back through a bunch of records, but this time I ran them all through RipX. And so not familiar. RipX is a uh, stem separating software. Ah, nice. Uh, so, so I was able to go into like all the stuff I always wanted to chop, but like, you know, like, like jazz music is, um, one where it's like, you know, there's always these cool sounds in it, but like someone gave the drummer cocaine or something and it's just <laughs> way too noisy oh no he was he was the one that gave everybody else the cocaine <laughs> yeah um uh so anyway with that i can just pull the drums off you know no drums thanks ai Lit. um so yeah and i, I did i did that so basically the way i separated everything and it, it actually took three days to do it <laughs> like i went through Jeez. a ton of music and just batched did it um so I have like the isolated vocals from my whole vinyl collection. I have the drums isolated and then everything else as another file. But wow. I found like when I'm like chopping up samples, like the stuff that gets in the way is usually the drums uh, or a vocal. Mm. Yeah, it makes so. sense. Yeah, other than that, like having those multiple instrument textures at the same time sometimes like really adds to the vibrancy of the sample because it gives us this really cool set of textures in one shop as opposed to having something really clean that mm -hmm. like takes away from the low and then, um, shopness. Another thing uh, I did is I kind of, um, I, so I took all those and I, I started a new uh, music library based on like what it sorted all that into. Um, so now I have like my old sample library on the hard drive, which just has like everything organized by like um, drums, like spice, stuff to chop, all that stuff. Um, but then um, with this library, I have everything, I have drums and then everything is uh, frequency ranges. So like if the thing that I would chop out of it is like uh, a guitar or a pad or something low sounding, I do mid low is that's where I put that in that folder. Then I have like mid high and then high frequency sounds. And so then I just kind of go through it by um, frequency range. Um, 
So, yeah, and I just kind of do it by ear, pick where the sounds are kind of going. And anyway, so then um, a, trip, dude. a lot of, yeah, a lot of tracks I've been like trying to like think uh, in terms of like the lanes on the mixer. So it's like there's the drums and then I've found I've gotten better mixes on like a board if it's by frequency range, if I'm like basically bussing stuff to the same channel. Yeah. I love that. I love that too, because like as a concept, it helps you think of the composition of what you're writing, like a lot more clearly. I think mm-hmm. where a lot of people fuck up and, you know, myself included is like you try and you find a cool sound and then you have like a nice, like other sound that like, you know, you like as well and should work melodically or whatever, but just like the frequencies just don't really stack up in a way that makes it viable. And mm-hmm. so if you're only like using stuff that could slot into that frequency range like easily, then you're going to end up just making way less work for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really good for um, like doing timer beats, like thinking about it that way. Um, Cause you can kind of go like, it's like, Oh, uh, the singer in the band, like there's going to be one instrument that's in the front of the mix and then everything in the background um, and that's kind of like, you know, the mid low is going to be the one that like sits back more and then, uh, the mid high will sit forward more. And then like something like a lead or a solo or something would be the high frequency sound. Um, and then, then there's bass and drums. Yeah. Very interesting. I've never heard of somebody doing it or organizing their library in that way. I've heard of like people talking about similar kind of stuff. Uh, in terms of like mixing and like conceptualizing your own sound and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. I've never heard of anybody talk about it in an organization way. And that makes so much sense. It it, it really, it works really well. I was kind of just, you know, I set it up that way initially, just kind of like as a, well, let's see what happens if this works and it's worked great. So like, uh, yeah, especially with like where I'm kind of still digging with the stuff. Um, like it's it's broader i still discover stuff when i'm going through that folder and like picking out tracks i don't like know everything that's in there yeah um so yeah yeah that's it's a pretty fun way to work that way it's just kind of like collaging almost Hmm. yeah especially with the samples i could see that working mm-hmm. like really well because you when you when you take a step back, you don't even really care what the individual elements are per se. As long as you fill out the mix, you're good. And and mm-hmm. I love that approach because you can like get such unorthodox combinations of like well yeah not every it, track it, it, needs hi hats or this or that, you know, like it gives you those opportunities to like pull back on doing the generic thing. And it like it kind of sets you up for like cool accidents to happen too, just cause you know, like maybe another sound will creep in there and they'll take it a totally different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Like sometimes even in like anything, like a sound that is embedded like way underneath everything else will just like spark your subconscious to think of a thing that could or should be there that like isn't even really there, but there's just like some overlapping frequencies in like one range and it like hits your brain as a note. Even though if you listen uh-huh. back, you're like, that's not actually even there, but it just like 
oh yeah materializes into an idea yeah i know it's like if you don't like finish that idea like in that session you're doing it when you go back the sound's just totally gone the next day yeah (laughs) totally yeah those happy accidents and ghost moments (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like yeah i feel you like so certain like leading tones and the progression will somehow like generate the melody in your brain yeah yeah Yeah. or you get like mild schizophrenia almost and you can like just hear the shit (laughs) yeah it's like just like phantom sounds hypnotizing you for real yeah yeah so another thing I've been curious about is, um, you know, we've 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 DJ shows together. Uh, me, Nintendo, uh, Rip Kenny, and Shoes did a did a tour in 2019. So last DJ and I got to do before the pandemic, and uh, it was a mm. blast. We got to hit a few dates in Washington blast. and and Montana, and so you know, it was a blast getting out there DJing. Um, curious, like, are you still? Um, are you still DJing? Like now that now that restrictions oh, yeah. are being lifted, nice. And yeah, I mean, like and back out there. It, it's been good. Um, I've actually had quite a few like pretty big shows too since uh, everything kind of got lifted and all that. Um, I was actually so two years ago I was going to go back and do um, Hot Springs again, the last show we did. Yeah. But I uh, blew my car up on the way, and oh, no. <laughs> or my radiator exploded, um, and I had to get towed oh, back to Bozeman, so I didn't make it. But I went this year, and it was an absolute blast this Halloween. Um, I think I, I yeah, played for almost five hours on like originals. Whoa, yeah. five hours of oh, originals! Damn. I'm just gonna golf clap that up right here. It, yeah. It, and like I, I was like I played it was two sets uh, across two sets like I played first and then uh, someone else played and then someone didn't show up and then so then I just played again because otherwise music would have stopped so that was really fun um, uh, what else have I done um, since the pandemic ended uh, when pa- the pandemic was starting I was doing these. Um, uh like meditative dance shows um where uh it was like guided meditation through dance um and i did i did a bunch of those and then um the lockdown happened uh and then yeah the rest of them got canceled but i did like three of those shows and i think we were scheduled to do like six um, so then the next year, um, when we were still in, uh, the pandemic, uh, we, we did them on a live stream, which was just like, you know, over zoom and that, that was kind of fun. Um, uh, there's this, uh, like video studio that someone put together in, um, Belgrade outside of Bozeman. Um, and they'd have all the bands that played it, like the filler, um, come in and do live stream shows on there and so we did that uh the like makeup uh meditative dance uh shows just on zoom through that and that was kind of cool because we actually hooked that up to um a screen too so we could see the gallery view like while i was playing music and um you see everybody uh, yeah you gotta see the crowd are they yeah, so yeah, we had we had we had a bunch of people in there, and that was really cool. And they were just dancing in their living rooms. Lit. Hell yeah. Um, 
in uh, August, I got to open for the Polish ambassador. No way. So that was a, that was an awesome show. I had a lot of fun at that. You're the perfect opener for that. It, yeah, it was, it, it worked so well. And he, God, his set was just unreal. Really? I've kind of got like the, um, the trifecta of like artists in that vein under my belt. Cause I've opened for, uh, Thriftworks, uh, Random Rab and the Polish ambassador now. Hey, that's what's up. But yeah, yeah, every single one of those shows was a lot of fun. Man, dope. Yo, I'm curious about these, like, uh, meditation dance events that definitely sounds like something up my alley i've been doing a lot of i've been djing a lot of ecstatic dances lately it's yeah it's like that um and it was uh this guy bryant um that was here in bozeman um uh he went to burning man and uh saw one of the ecstatic dance like things there and then he's from new york and went back there and kind of formed a group there doing it and then he moved to montana and started doing it here so yeah, yeah it's uh it's like the tenants of dance um and yeah it's it's kind of like a guided meditation where you're dancing is there, so is there somebody speaking over the music yeah at times? yeah and just kind of like telling you like you know how to like get loose and like how you should be like moving your body and like what you should be focusing on, like where you should be loose and where you should be tight and that kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah, that's a cool concept. Really help people. Yeah, like those those were a body. lot of fun, and it kind of um it kind of just like hit me at like the right time in life because uh right before the pandemic started, like January 2020, I um I, I stopped drinking then. Um, hey. one of the times I quit. Yeah. Um, so I quit then and, uh, that gave me something to do that was like not in a bar, but still like doing music. Yeah. So that, that kind of really kind of helped. It helped acclimate me to like being in front of people without like having alcohol. Dude. Yeah. That's Um, actually one of the big things I love about ecstatic dance is that it's like an opportunity to have a full on dope ass dance party without, having to be around a bunch of drunk people when I'm not trying to drink. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, actually. So since uh, I quit drinking this time, I've, I've still kind of like gone into bars and stuff too. And it's why I just drink water now. And it, God, it's, it's entertaining for sure. Yeah. It's like drunk people are just yell. They yell so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a loud <laughs> environment. A lot of spilled drinks on the floor. You think it's all sticky. A lot of excitement. Yeah. It's also fun too, just because like when you're in a bar sober, like everyone just assumes you're drinking. So like people just assume you're drunk too. So, you know, there's not really (laughs) any questions asked. So, Dude, I just watched Superbad the other night. Dude, I was thinking about watching that yesterday, man. Dude, at the end when he's like, no, no, Jules, you're you're drunk. You're you're drinking. You had a party. Like there's you're drunk. No. And it's like exactly that. She's like, no, yep, I'm not like, exactly. <laughs> we'll just assume you're drunk. You're at a party. Like no one thinks any different. Yeah. Yeah, it's like classic. Whenever someone says super bad, it just like immediately goes to the end of it when they're shooting the cop car and like Mick Love is just like, break yourself, fool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, what a classic. 
dude for real oh, amazing man. movie yeah man anything else you want to touch on any other burning questions we got anything in the chat I'm, i haven't seen any any burning questions over there just yet give them a second and uh you know real quick while we're waiting for that um you know uh evan tesco you got anything man i'm uh I just want to hear about what you have coming up. Yeah. And which sounds like FOM. But as far as yes, any it, exciting projects outside of that, I'm all here. Right now, I think. Um, so I was trying to get um, an EP or small album done in January. And then I kind of like hinged it on a couple collabs I wanted to add to it. So. That's I'm still kind of waiting on that, so I'm gonna do FOM first, and I think with FOM, when it's all done, I might kind of just go through and clean up any really blatantly illegal samples I got in it. Uh, <laughs> just, just put it on, put it Probably out there. Good idea. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I want to do that with the FOM project. Um. I'm I'm actually like relatively on track for it this year. I've got three done, so nice. If I do one by okay. tomorrow, I'm I'm right on track. Shooting par, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah buddy. So anyway, yeah. I I guess uh, I don't have any like art or anything done. Any of the, the non music making stuff <laughs> with the release for. That is uh, necessary evil. So um. <laughs> I'm probably going to do that in like March or maybe early April um, with uh, pretty much I've just got a mountain of music from the whole coronavirus. Yeah. I didn't like put, I didn't put anything out then at all. Um, but I, I worked on music throughout the whole thing. You know, I just let it sit on a hard drive. Yeah. And, um, shit. That's exciting. Yeah, I feel you, man. A lot of a lot of backlog catalog to to start figuring out what to release from, huh? I know. Yeah, it was weird. Um, just you know, with everything going on in the world for the last like couple years, I got like really kind of like weird about it and like self conscious, I think. And uh, I was over analyzing all the stuff, and I think it was just because you know. I think my biggest motivator to get stuff done is like, Oh, I have a show. Uh, and I didn't have that. So I would sit there and just like, be like, no, how do I get this perfect? How do I get this perfect? How do I get this perfect? And I didn't have the sense of urgency. Yeah. yeah. Dude, so, that sense of urgency from an external deadline. I was talking to a friend about huge. that the other day, how it's like, when it's just my own deadline that I arbitrarily set for myself, like I want to finish this song by Friday. It's like, but Friday comes and it's still not perfect. And you're like, nah, fuck it. Next Friday. I'll, let me, yeah. let me sit on it for a while. And you know, it's so easy mm -hmm. to push back those internal deadlines if we even bother making them up. But when it's an external deadline, like, yo, that show's coming and I want to play this out. It needs to be playable by that date. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. it's happening. Yeah. yeah that, you have no idea how many nights, uh, before a show I was like, Oh, well, I get to the show and it's like, I've been up for 24 hours because I stayed up <laughs> finishing these songs. Mm -hmm. Hope you <laughs> like all these mixes. That. I tweaked too much. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I, I did that before um, <laughs> Before I drove to Seattle and we played at the substation. Yeah. Like I was, I was running on like 48 hours awake by the time we got oh, to that I show. Oh, that. Lord. Yeah, you motherfucker. Man, that, that was, was crazy. crazy. I was uh, 
like building crates, uh, you know, it, from my studio the night before I was supposed to leave and something happened on the computer, like not like a, a flash drive or anything, but like my entire like music collection just disappeared from Rekordbox. And so then I, I went, I, did, yeah. mm. I had to go under the external, all the tracks were on and just like go through and regrid everything in record box. And I, I was doing it until like, literally I had to get in the car and leave. Yeah. <laughs> and then I you woke up you screaming, were, right? And it you, was just a bad dream. You were telling no, it us wasn't. about this. <laughs> you were telling us so about painful. this in the green room of, of the of substation and i was like i can't even conceptualize how fucked up that would be yeah and i'm pretty sure you just like drank five five hour energies and had 25 hours of energy right like that's how that works <laughs> yeah and then you just yeah died yeah man oh, yeah. Awesome. You, you being like ah man fuck it. i'm just gonna like set a cue point at the beginning of each song as i pull it up and whatever man i'll make it work and you did, yeah. man. You nailed it. Still, still. I mean, yeah, that's that's it, something but... like. I think just because you know I've DJ like. I I don't know I don't have a problem with starting stuff at the beginning and just you know using track search uh, or just yeah. spinning the jog wheel over and over again to that's, get to where I, I need to go. Shit. I'm like the grid has to be right past that. I'll figure it out. I love having mm -hmm. my hot yeah. set up so much. It like it just I love that it like I can pull up a track that I may not have played in a year, but I, I put my, my cue points on it in a, in a way I understand. And I can just glance mm -hmm. at the track and be like, okay, I understand the structure of this track. That's where the breakdown is. That's eight bars before the breakdown during the drop. So I can like have some pre-roll to mix in, you know, like, and then just decide based on what the waveform looks like where I'm going to yeah. blend in from the previous track. Like it's so nice. I mean, but yeah, when, I, really uh, I was, you could totally do it without all that. Just really nice. To have. When I was uh, DJing with Ableton, I was like just hardcore about that. Every single track, it was the first cue point was from the beginning. Second cue point, uh, where the drums come in. Uh, third cue point was uh, after the first drop, like bridge or breakdown, whatever it is. And then the last one was. Uh, I think I actually usually did uh, the outro and I had it loop in case I needed to like, oh mm. shit. Um, That's smart. So I just smart like would have a loop going in Ableton. It's like if, I, if I have to, oh shit, I can hit that, that one and bring in another track. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. All that sounds nice, but I just really love the anxiety of <laughs> probably having a train wreck and then not. You know? Oh yeah! Oh, that's like, the best. Just so like, yeah, you also know. mountain bike and fucking <laughs> beams, jumps and spins and shit. Bro, it's not oh, even like that. It's literally me. I spent yeah, way worse. too much time trying to engineer the records I wanted to play, and then was like, "Fuck! I have two hours to fucking organize this shit into." This a guy's just an adrenaline junkie. It's it's just piss poor <laughs> planning, really. Well, I, I was thinking that the only logical way to end this podcast would be to either play Michael might or Festy checklist. Tyson. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I think it's it? gotta be Festy checklist. It's gotta be I Festy so. checklist. Well, it's gotta be all right. I can't wait. All right. Let's see. As, as a backstory while Luke, while Luke finds it, uh, these, we, we, 
made four songs in the maybe five days that we were out in Montana staying at, at Tyson's place when we did this tour in 2019. In this and, room right uh, here. Yeah. Yeah, we were saying I was actually thinking, like, did you rearrange the like like the arrangement of all the stuff in that yeah. studio? Or am I just like, yeah, okay, cool. Cause I was like, oh, that shit sure. is I'll, not I'll, in this I'll, game I'll, exact spot. So over here, I've got another desk um, and a monitor up there. Um, yeah. Moog, turntable, uh, DeepMind. Um, I'm using yeah. this mixer over here as a, sure. a synth sub mixer. And then sure. over here, I have uh, the mixer that I run the MPC to and the like outboard stuff. Sure. Um, so like this is like where mixing happens, and that's just basically to send synths into the MPCs or computer. Yeah. Did you did you remove a couch, or do I just incorrectly remember there being two places to sit and chill? There. Uh, what no, there was a chair. On? There was a chair, and then there was the couch. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's the couch still there. Yeah, oh, the best. Um, the chair po- the chair couch podcast. Feng Shui podcast. Music. I think there was, there was like a coffee topic, table in not here. Not anymore. Yeah. Yo, yeah, one thing yeah. that I've been like low key looking at is like that one corner to the left just has such a vaporwave aesthetic with that curtain and the light peeking through and the little TV oh, dude. and just everything. It's uh, check this out. It's that light back there is pink. <laughs> so it like it just makes the whole room like have like this like pink kind of like yeah but yeah it it totally has that aesthetic (laughs) and uh it's it's trippy because i was like taking pictures of like random stuff in here and it's like the keys on the keyboard look like they're pink is um yeah we bought a bunch of random like light bulbs um recently from my house so this room's pink. Um, there's an orange one down in my uh, living room. Uh, there's a blue one in my bathroom. There's a blue one on my front porch. And like the blue ones are kind of like, they're really bright and like they like neon colors react to them. So it's like a black light kind of. Mm-hmm. But okay. it's like you can see my house from three blocks away now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, sure all the neighbors hate it. Dude, that's amazing. You know you're a real producer when you have colored lights everywhere because the studio is just not the same. It, it's it really about like, me, bro. At, like especially at nighttime, like just having more. the like yeah. the cool lighting in here makes it just so much it more It makes pleasant. such a difference, dude. Yeah. It just sets a little And then uh, during the daytime, I mean, so I have a a window right behind my monitors, so I have a, a bass trap stuffed in there covering up the whole window so i don't really get light there Mm. but that would be like more ideal for like daytime producing it's just like letting natural light come into the room but just with how i have everything set up in here with like sound treatment stuff it's just like always kind of dark in here i think it's bad for music producers anyway my room doesn't even have a window that goes outdoors that window behind me is to a closet that would have been a recording booth and there's a window over there that goes into a garage that was going to be the drum room. <laughs> are you yeah, in the same place the, still or somewhere else? Yeah, same spot. Mm. Yeah, same man, room, this, too? Yeah, same room, same home. Nice. This is the spot, Hanford House, baby. But yeah. Did you find it? Good, sir. Where'd I, 
Yeah, oh yeah, Did I you find had done had that shit pulled up. I feel like we should give oh. like a little intro to like Yeah, that's what we were doing and then we started gravy. talking about lights. Right. right. So oh, yeah. we we made we made four songs. Oh yeah, we were talking about lights and then I changed mine to pink. If if you're wondering, just buy a Philips Wiz light bulb and it attaches like it connects to your Wi-Fi and you can just sit here and change the colors on it Don't all day. Don't actually studio, whiz on the light great. bulb though. It's a good way to get electrocuted. True. I mean, you bought it. You could do what you want. True. Don't whiz on it when it's How is anyone going to know you own it? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. This is my <laughs> light bulb. I'm okay. my territory. So, <laughs> we made four songs. We made four songs at Tyson's house in that very room. And because there was four producers there and we were just making a bunch of music for fun. Um, and I, I don't remember how we came up with it, but Rave Gravy was the oh, name. Oh man, we had a the whiteboard in the corner it was like full of possible names for for mm. it. And we were like we we're going through all these different things and we were like trying to say like man, we're going to be like making different genres and like blending shit together and the word gravy came up and it was good gravy mm. for a second, but then that's yeah, like gravy, that yeah. is like a bluegrass band, of course, cuz mm. why wouldn't good gravy be a bluegrass band? And and then somehow we landed on rave gravy and we're like, oh shit, yeah. not even has like the AA rave gravy. It's like perfect. And we looked yeah, that up and nobody nice. was that. And we found and then we looked on Urban Dictionary and it turns out rave gravy is that like mix of spilled beer and broken uh, glow stick goo that sticks your uh. feet to the floor at the rave. And we were like, nothing could be better. Nothing could be better than that. That is the name. Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. So we got we got one single released uh, on the drum and bass cipher where we sampled Spider Hound on a... Uh, Talking on in, the his, weekly download. in the weekly yeah. download. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, you, did anyone ever tell him? <laughs> you know, I feel like I mentioned it to him back then and he was honored. Maybe. Yeah, that, awesome. That, that thank yeah. you... That his thank you... And cre- you create your own reality. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, yeah. We're sampled by us. Um, mm. And then, yeah. Uh, but then we got three other songs. Like that song dropped like right when the pandemic hit. And then everything just like blew up and the world fell apart. And so we're still sitting on three unreleased songs that have been done since true. 2019. And, uh, and, arguably, they, and arguably the other three are better than that one. <laughs> Right. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. Like the other drum and bass one we did is like that's one of my favorite tracks to play. <laughs> like I play I that constantly. Um, I played thank and then you like Michael Might and I love that shit. Um, it what? I said thank you reality. That's out. I've played that at a bunch of shows and like I was talking to Porch about it. He was one of the other people on that and he was like, dude, that song is so good, man. It's like the melodies in it, dude. It's like yeah. that could be a Skrillex song, bro. Like, <laughs> ooh, honored. Uh, uh wait, that was the one I when we started that we were like trying to copy Pendulum, weren't we? Something like that. That sounds about I think right. like the original name of that it was, was like me. something was pendulum. Yeah. I was yeah. definitely we were I was like listening to Slam with you. And oh, yeah. I was like, we gotta make something that has like that just chunky underlying bass groove, and then like just like the distorted or like detuned saw like rave melody it's not even really ravey uh, maybe it's a ravey sound i don't know but that was kind of like the genesis for what we were trying to do and i, I think we got pretty close yeah we got mm. another dmb tune and two house tracks just fucking sitting here thanks for sending me those the other day tyson by the way it was oh really yeah for sure listening to him again 
And uh, yeah, so, yeah, dude, I I play them out like fairly frequently. Um, yeah, it's, I was talking to Luke about that, and like, it's like, yeah, I play that, and then I, I usually have this Christmas song I like to play, like situated with them too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So run it, run it, Luke. This is festival checklist, oh, that's which the is one yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna wait until we picked one. <laughs> oh. Oh yes, I got Tyson. them all sitting right here. But I hope this works for all the audio for the live stream and for the <laughs> and, and for the just shit. Fair warning for the three of us, not Luke. Don't talk at all because the mad echo. Thank you for remembering that. <laughs> Beautiful. 
<laughs> oh, that's still in there. We didn't cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's way too um, foamy, guys. The um, foamy. dude, the, the, the risers in that song are just—they're so good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the the genesis of that song, like we were making the we were making a house beat when we got to Montana, kicking in that room. You could see Nintendo's room there, and like came up with this good little bounce. And they're like, "What? What should we put on top of this?" And they just hit me. Like three years earlier, I had been at this massive festival called Paradiso, and at it's at the Gorge in Washington, and at the Gorge the camping general camping is like a mile from the festival entrance. It's like the longest fucking trek. And we get all the way to the entrance. And one of the four people in our crew is like, Oh, I needed my ID to get in. They're like, <laughs> fuck. So we walk back all the way that mile back to the festival, to the campground to get his ID. And there's just people jamming house music at their camps everywhere. And I just start singing that hook over and over just to really drill it into his brain. Gotta have, yo, ticket, drugs, ID, ticket, ticket, drug, drugs, ID, ID. <laughs> and then it just lay dormant in my brain for three years until that moment where it's just like, bloop, pop back up. And I sing it and everybody Perfect. in the room's like, Yep. Okay. Here's the mic, bro. Yeah. Amazing. Fantastic. Dude, yeah. That track is such a banger. Mm. Can't. It really that. is. Every time I play it, like it it's bounced. like, yeah. Every time. Like, I every feel like there should be a it. cipher or something around it, or a remix. <laughs> Remixes a plenty. Right. I mean, well, there was the, the festival. Uh, the festival, like. Uh, ciphers where it was uh, oh yeah yeah hexes like those. different times of the day uh i think is what yeah. it was. Oh, that was a cool it. one yeah yeah there was like the, the afternoon the night the, the sunrise yeah different. yeah different my track levels. was in the sunrise uh time frame nice. on that yeah yo man hi key we should just send these four tracks to dylan and be like well you already got one of them we just want to complete the pokemon set and release the ep <laughs> yeah Cause why not? They're fucking. They're so good. Dude, you got to send yeah, me the rest of those like, tracks. Um, yeah, well, they um, they all have just great hooks. Yeah. Like. Yeah. They, like, man, yeah. They all just hit, man. Four four producers teaming up. Everybody putting their best foot forward, and you mix the hell out of them. Fucking, they're so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got to get those out. We got to get those out there, man. It's. It's yeah, really cool I, to I get agree. to sit down with you again and catch up, and and it's yeah. been really re-sparking my desire to have these songs exist in the world as as more than just you know <laughs> as more than just a a, a thing that I like to hear every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, they should be ones and yeah. zeros on a cloud. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, for real. Move those ones and zeros to a more public location. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all yeah, right. no, that's uh that's that's the mentality, I think. Like that's what my goal is like for the year is because like with coronavirus and all that, I was so like in my head and like, oh, I got to you know, when I release something get it perfect. Uh and I, I yeah, I, that was a terrible call on my part. I like um I, I, I'm going to try to like get back to my old mentality where I was like treating tracks as like a picture of a point in my life, you know? Yeah. Like using it as a reminder mm -hmm. of like where I was at at that point. And so, yeah, I think I'm just going to 
dump everything onto Dude, the internet. Might as well, right? Man, I've been thinking about that. Like, I've got so much stuff. It's not doing anything for me sitting at home. Like, if I was super famous and I had some crazy, like, VIPs or bootlegs that I only played live and you had to come spend 60 bucks to see me live to hear that song again, like, I've heard that's, like, something Tipper does. Like, why doesn't Tipper ever release that one fucking song? It's like, because now you have to go see him again to hear yeah. it. But, like, nobody knows who I am. So, like, secrets from from somebody who is also a secret to you is not helpful. <laughs> it's too meta. Like, true. Every like I would think I've got all these cool like mashups and remixes that I've been sitting on for like a year and a half and I play them live and I love playing them live. But like if I just like put them out there and like sent them to all those YouTube and SoundCloud channels that just like repost other people's shit, like then I would have Mm -hmm. all these opportunities for people to be like, that's a cool mashup. Who made that? Oh, that guy, Luke Rain, whoever he is. And just like get my name out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then also on that perfection tip. Um, one of those mashups that I was just uh, tweaking the mix for is a mashup of Muramasa's Lotus Eater, if y'all know that one. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's like kind of a it's got big 808s and a flute lead. It's fucking it's a hot track, and it's from you like nine years ago. And then I put uh, I put an acapella from Post Malone's Better Now on top of it, and like it goes off when I play it out. It's really dope. I wanted to like reference it against the original. So I was like, listen to the original. I was like, wait, I've never listened to this Muramasa album, even though I really like him as an artist. And it's from 2014. Like this is when he was like, just getting going. So yesterday I listened to that whole album and it's really cool. His style is really present. Like the way he makes sounds and all that. But it's like, like the there's mix elements and like the way he does his transitions and stuff on a lot of the songs that are really imperfect but oh, they yeah. still have millions of plays each. Yeah. And they, mm-hmm. and the, his yeah. next album, he had these giant features like Charlie XCX and ASAP Rocky on the mm-hmm. shit. And like, and those have like tens or hundreds of millions of plays each. And it's mm-hmm. like, man, like if he hadn't just put out that album and been like, this is me, this is my weird new sound. Then nobody would have caught on. Most fans don't know the difference between a great mix and a decent mix. And like, yeah, you know, especially if you sit down and listen to a whole album, like that's going to be cohesive, even if it doesn't sound like anything else out there. Yeah, true. So yeah, exactly. Mm. So yeah, more. I mean, I don't know. Shit out, including yeah, exactly. Man, I'm fucked now. By some means or another, but yeah, we should pitch that one, and uh, if if not, we'll band camp it or something. Yeah, right. I mean, shit, man, dude, I'm down to just put it out ourselves anyways because it deserves to see the light of day and oh, yeah. uh a banger. yeah and yeah man to, to close it out man tell the people how to follow you get a hold of you okay uh it's where do you uh like to be cyber stalked n- n- wait what <laughs> where do you like to be cyber stalked uh so facebook slash nintendo n-i-n-t-e-n-d-e-a-u-x um and then, yeah, it's at Nintendo on everything except Instagram and Twitter. Those are play Nintendo. Mm. Follow it up. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's if you up, do, man. I will appreciate it and love you forever. Forever. You hear that? You hear free that? Love, people. Claim your free love. Get it. Get it now. Get it now <laughs> yeah. before the coupon expires. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. yeah. Well, all righty, right, right. All supplies last. 
Thank y'all so much for listening, humans. Thank you so yes. much for being here, Nintendo. Really appreciate you. Yeah, dude. Big up real. chat, but Thanks I need for to having me. It. Big up. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> Coming up. Big yeah. Up. Oh my gosh. What a good episode. Really appreciate. And uh yeah. Till next time, we say peace. Everybody give them a peace. And a peace among worlds. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right, humans, thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate you as always. Make sure to like, subscribe, share this, rate and review it. It really helps us a lot. Make sure to send this. If anything that helps you, man, send a favorite episode to a producer friend. And, uh, yeah, get more people listening. Appreciate y'all for that. Make sure to bump that song of the week. That's Rave Gravy. Thank you, Reality. Rave Gravy is the super group that consists of me, Rip Kenny, Shoes, and Nintendo. And uh, we got one single out from a while back, right right at the start of the pandemic. Uh, we talked about it in the episode, you remember. And uh, make sure while you're down there, go support our sponsors too, like Spice It Up Percussion and Foley Pack. It has over 2,000 percussion loops and one shots from your boy Luke Rain and Porch and 50 rack instruments so you can really spice up your drum loops. And then... Um, dojo tv where you can get free producer live stream classes from the dojo senseis yup you can even catch us out there doing our live stream every other week get in the chat with us it's all free tesco's patreon where you can get access to his educational materials track feedback private lessons and more and the weekly download where you can learn from ill gates and his private weekly group lessons and get access to over 300 more episodes in the archive for just 20 bucks a month best 20 bucks a month you can spend on music education as far as i'm concerned check us out at the human music podcast.com until next time peace peace among worlds <laughs>